Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands in this house. Come on, let's, let's call on our shepherd. Hallelujah. Come on, our Father in heaven is in this house. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's pray for just a few more moments. Come on, he's in this house. Hallelujah. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. He's in this place right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. That's it. Let's love him. Let's give him a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. It is such an honor to be in the house, Lord. And uh, for everyone that has come to be with us, we've just been having a mighty move of God over the last little while. Amen. How many's been enjoying what God's been doing around here? Amen. It's good to have our friend Chelsea in the house of the Lord with us and her friend Jax. And uh, an honor to have them and all of our guests and visitors. We're honored to have you as well. And uh, we want to invite you back on Wednesday night. Uh, normally I teach on Wednesday night, but I'm just going to be preaching. So. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Make it out to the house of the Lord at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. At this time, we'd like our Sunday school kids uh, to get ready. They're going to be heading back towards the back room. I just want to say publicly, Brother and Sister Rodriguez are doing an, ex an excellent job with our Sunday school kids. This 2020 has been all crazy, but they have rolled with the punches and done everything that they can to bless all of our kids in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Psalms, chapter 61, and verse number 1. Psalms, chapter 61, and verse number 1. And as you turn there, I forgot to put it in the announcements today, but uh, we've got some birthdays coming up this week. Sister Bettina's birthday is coming up on the 9th and sister Pam's birthday is coming up on the 14th so make sure you wish them a happy birthday in Jesus name Psalms chapter 61 and verse 1 I've been praying this week and, and uh, God impressed a very specific word on my heart and I want to do my best to share it with us here today Psalms 61 and 1 the Bible says hear my cry O God attend unto my prayer from the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject, the God of the overwhelmed. The God of the overwhelmed. Would you set down your Bibles and let's, let's pray that God would speak to us here today. Lord, I know that you have spoken this word to my heart, and I'm praying, God, that you would help me to minister grace to the hearers. God, give us ears to hear and a heart to respond to your word here today, and God, that this would be a blessing and give somebody comfort and renewal. God, grace and mercy here today. 
in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody clap your hands one more time as you're seated. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The God of the overwhelmed. The book of Psalms has within it many songs penned by King David. There are psalms of praise and adoration towards God. I think it's important that we read the book of Psalms and we get our, our theology of worship mostly from the book of Psalms. That's why when you came to church here today, we came and we give God great praise. Amen. For the Bible would say, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen. There's many that don't quite understand uh, worship as in regards to the word of the Lord. They think that church should be boring, that you should sit there like a bump on a pickle. But I want to tell you that it is not true according to the word of God. For Psalms would say and David would pen that we are to praise the Lord in his sanctuary. We are to praise him in the firmament of his power. We are to praise him for his mighty acts. We are to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now there's some people, they want to golf clap about God's excellent greatness. But I've never met anything that's excellent that is worthy of a golf clap. When I think about Jesus and all that he's done for me, come on, as the old songs, I get excited and I can't hold it in. I'll tell you why. Because he's been better than I've been to myself. He's a good God, he's an excellent God, and he's worthy of my best praise. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of victory. Hallelujah. We are to praise God as the Bible would say, with the sound of the trumpet. Now, I know during 2020 we lost our trumpet for a minute, but it's probably coming back here in a little while. But I want you to know that we ought to praise him on the stringed instruments. I heard as Brother Johnson was playing and then as Sister Johnson was playing, I heard just about every lick, and uh, you could tell they put some time and effort into it. Amen. I also know that we ought to praise him on the loud-sounding cymbals. Well, I don't like it. It's a little too loud. Well, uh, 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 please pardon us because uh, we've come to praise God according to the Word of God. And on the high-sounding symbols, uh, and at the end of it all, the Bible says, let everything that includes you, that includes me, let everything and everybody that has breath, uh, we are to praise uh, the Lord. Uh, if you don't have an instrument, uh, you got vocal cords. Uh, if you don't have vocal cords, you got a hand clap. Uh, if you don't have a hand clap, you can at least uh, stomp your feet. What's, what's the Bible saying? Uh, let everything in any way uh, that you can uh, give God praise. Uh, oh, let's do that for a moment. Uh, let's give God, great praise. He's worthy of it all. God, praise God, praise God. At the end of it all, there is no excuse not to worship God. Amen. I had a, a friend that preached for a church in the Bay Area, and there was a young man that was missing his arms. He was partially aborted. And uh, he would sit on the front row, and he'd start clapping his feet. 
He said, it, oh, come on, somebody. It was, one of the, it was one of the most odd things my friend has ever seen, but he said there was something that stirred up in my heart. If he can do that, amen, what can I do with a full body that is fully able? Amen. I thank God for good elders that maybe just have themselves a little cane. Amen. But I've seen it time and time again. They, they do the best to run those aisles with the cane in their hand. In other words, they will not let anything be an excuse to worshiping God. I've got to worship God because it's what I was created for. Oh, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. David, saw his, his psalms write about praise and adoration towards God. But, but it goes beyond that. It goes into psalms of thanksgiving for the things that God has done. Amen. Part of giving God praise is being thankful. Uh, the Bible says we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Well, I don't know what to say when I come to church to worship. I don't have the right vocabulary. Let me help you out with a couple of words. You can say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. My Bible tells me there was 10 lepers, uh, amen, but only one came back and said thank you, and it was the one that said thank you that was made whole. See, there's some people that are wanting to be made whole here today. I'll tell you where it starts. It starts when you begin to let your gratefulness flow out of your heart. People that lose their gratefulness lose their healing. People that lose their gratefulness don't get all that God has for them. Come on, amen, we got to enter with thanksgiving. I didn't come to church with a complaint on my lips. I came with a praise. I came with gratefulness. I'm thankful to be saved. I'm thankful to be a Christian. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord. To thank God. Thank God. You, you may not have a whole lot. That's all right. Thank God for what you do have. If you don't have anything, thank God for what you don't have. Maybe you're healthy. Amen. We can always give God thanks. He writes psalms of that, that, that go beyond thanksgiving, that go beyond worship. This is the reason we don't call it the, the book of songs because it's not all songs. Sometimes it goes in a little deeper. There are psalms that deal with pain. Did you know that's in your Bible? Psalms that deal with suffering. Psalms that deal with repentance. Psalms that, that deal with pleading God for forgiveness. There are songs and psalms of degrees, and they hit a different level, and they touch a different part of David as he's writing. Most of psalms, as David is writing, there are worship, there are praise, but there's things in the book of psalms that we would never sing in a worship service. David's dealing with some real things. In fact, there's some things that some people don't even want to talk about that David writes down in the book of Psalms. One of the most powerful things about the Bible is how real it is and how real the people in it are. The Bible doesn't try to sugarcoat everything and, and paint it in rose-colored glasses, but the Bible will deal with the hardships. It will deal with the pain. It will deal with the suffering. And as we're preaching here today, amen, it will deal with things that are just too overwhelming. Most of Psalms, is, it's not a worship song that you and I would sing in church. What we are reading when we read the book of Psalms is most of it, we are reading the prayer journal of David. 
David's getting down to the nitty and gritty and he is he is writing about things and he is letting his emotions out and he is crying out to the Lord. Amen. But I love David because before it's all said and done, he always ends with praising the Lord. He might bring his petition. He might bring his problem. He might bring his issues. But by the time it's done, he will say something to the effect of bless the Lord anyhow. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. David might have troubles. David might be overwhelmed. David might have problems. But David's made it up in his mind that I will still give God praise. Let's worship him all across this house. Psalms 102 is a, is a good example of this it it literally tells us it is a prayer of the afflicted when they are overwhelmed and he pours out his complaint before the lord that's the title of that psalm he cries out and he says again as to mirror psalm 61 hear my prayer o lord and let my cry come unto thee hide not your face from me in the day when i am in trouble Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. I know I prayed that a few times. God, don't just answer me, but please, amen, for heaven's sake, answer me speedily. He then tells God what's going on. He says, my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as the hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like the grass, so I even forget to eat bread. What is David saying? David's saying, I'm so overwhelmed by everything that's going on around me. I don't even know how to handle it. I'm forgetting to even eat bread. He later goes on to say, it's as if my skin is hanging on my bones. What's he saying? I forgot to eat for so long. It's starting to affect my health. Amen. You may not know it, but David's preaching a real good message right there. There's some people that are so overwhelmed. It has now moved its way into their physical life. They are so overwhelmed. It has started to affect their emotions. It has started to affect the way they think. Amen. I want to help somebody. We're serving the God of the overwhelmed. And you might feel overwhelmed, but you are not alone. You might feel overwhelmed, but you are not by yourself. You might feel overwhelmed, but it does not have to stay that way forever. Because we serve a God that can help the overwhelmed. We serve a God that can help the confirmed. We serve a God that can help those that cannot help themselves. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give them a shout of praise. Psalm 61, he is continuing. This is more than verses, there's more verses about this than I have time here today. But Psalm 61, he is writing, when my heart is overwhelmed. Amen. David is somebody who understood what it was to be overwhelmed. Amen. I don't know exactly when and neither does history. When David wrote this psalm, was he a shepherd? 
no doubt David had encountered being overwhelmed as a shepherd. As he's guarding and, and taking care of his father's sheep and of the flocks. Even the Bible would say there was a lion one day and there was a bear that came another day and began to try to take one of his father's sheep. And David, no doubt, as he is fighting against the lion and the bear, is feeling overwhelmed. Amen. Because there's so much coming at him. In fact, the literal the literal Bible tells us, amen, that it was in one day that a lion and a bear came. I know that we, we read that correctly and we interpret it, amen, as, as multiple days. But he said there came a day when a lion and a bear, amen, there's times in life where you're not just fighting lions, but you're fighting lions and bears. Amen. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And it's coming at you left and right, and you don't know which one to fight first. And, and you're swinging here, and you're swinging there. You're throwing a stone here, and you're throwing a stone there. And you're doing everything you can. But let me remind you why you're fighting a lion and a bear. The Bible says he wasn't fighting a lion or a bear. He was fighting for the lamb. Don't ever get it twisted in your Christian walk. You're not fighting the devil. You're fighting for the the Lamb of God. When you come to church, as the preacher said last week, and you get engaged in spiritual warfare, what are you doing? I am fighting for the Lamb. I'm fighting for the lost, and I'm fighting for the Lamb. Somebody give him praise. If that means I gotta be overwhelmed, overwhelm me. I'm fighting for the Lamb. If that means I gotta be stressed out, let me be stressed out. I am fighting for the Lamb. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Come on, let's magnify him. You can't afford to die to a lion and a bear just because you're overwhelmed. you got to understand that you are fighting for something bigger than you. Oh, somebody, come on, let's magnify him. Come on, he's in this house right now. God's there watching you, David, as you fight that lion and that bear. And he's saying, I'm going to deliver you, amen, into your hand. I'm going to deliver them into your hand. I know those that are overwhelmed, and I can help you with it all. I don't know if he's right about the day he fought a lion and a bear, but surely he was overwhelmed. I don't know if he's right about the day he went before Saul as a young boy, and he had to play a harp until the evil spirit left Saul. You know how overwhelming it is to cast out evil spirits that people don't want to really get rid of? I came to preach. You know how difficult it is and how frustrating it is, amen, to try to get up and play your best. I'm preaching to some musicians right now. Amen, to play your best and people sit there like a bump on a log and don't want to move and you got to play and you got to play and you got to preach and you got to preach and you got to sing and you got to sing and you got to dance and you got to dance and you got to worship. Why? Because there's other people that need to get that evil spirit out of their life. There's some people need deliverance from bitterness. There's some... When you worship God, what are you doing? You're saying, I refuse to let what I feel right now being overwhelmed stop me from helping somebody else out. I came to preach. You got to keep on playing, honey. You got to keep on preaching. Keep on dancing. Keep on clapping. Keep on shouting. Why? Because I might be overwhelmed, but I serve the God of the overwhelmed. And if it... 
before it's too late, the evil spirit's got to go. Before it's too late, there's going to be somebody get free. Before it's too late, somebody's going to get liberated. Before it's too late, somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. He might have been talking about being overwhelmed that his musical ability and talent was, ha- was going to have to do spiritual warfare. And the moment he stopped playing, Saul welcomed that spirit back in. That's how some people are. You stop playing, you stop preaching, oh, don't got to do it no more. No, 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 no. You got to keep your deliverance, honey. Can I preach? People didn't lead and people didn't preach and people didn't sing and people didn't play so you can play church. Amen. They didn't do that so you can go home and live the way you lived when you came in. They did it so you could be free and free indeed. They Don't let them be overwhelmed for nothing, honey. Don't let them be... I don't know when he was writing this psalm. Maybe it was when he ran down the hill to fight Goliath all by himself, a little boy, with no backing of the king's army, nobody even cheering him on, watching to see him die. Good luck as you fight for us. Good luck on your own. I don't know if he wrote this when he was forced to fight Philistines and bring back a tribute to Saul for the the marriage of his daughter might call even though he said whoever slays the giant is the one that gets the marriage. Amen. But David was a little overwhelmed because he single-handedly had to slay at least 100 Philistines. And David being overwhelmed, can I help somebody? Even though you're overwhelmed, you're capable of more than you think because the Bible says he got twice as many. You might be stressed out. You might be overwhelmed. But you got more in you than you thought possible. And with the help of the God of the overwhelmed, you'll slay more. You'll have a greater victory you thought possible. You'll have a greater revival than you thought possible. But you got to be willing to keep going, honey. You got to be willing to keep fighting. I don't know if David wrote this. While he's sitting in a king's palace, one moment being fed by the king, one day being celebrated as the greatest warrior, one day being celebrated for his many talents, one day being celebrated for all the good he's done for the kingdom. And within a moment's time, a spear comes flying by his head. One after another, a man that fought giants for the people is now being stoned. A man that now fought for the people is now getting spears. Amen. Can I preach to the overwhelmed for a moment? Just because spears are coming does not mean that your value has decreased just because Saul is no longer looking favorably on you does not devalue what you have done in the kingdom you can be overwhelmed but keep going I don't know if it was all those spears coming left coming right move he had to get pretty quick dodge and everything I don't know if he wrote this psalm about being overwhelmed when he's running from Saul. Now no longer allowed to live in the palace, no longer allowed to live as royalty, no longer allowed to live as the son-in-law of the king. He's now got to run all by himself. 
he ends up in places where the Moabites are, and he ends up Amen. Before King Akish of the Philistines, and, and he's got to try to act like a crazy man so they don't realize who he really is. And, and they said, Surely this is David, the slayer of giants. And David, the Bible says, changed his appearance until spittle ran down his beard. What's he really doing? He started going wild. And he's so stressed out because if they find out who he really is, uh, they're going to string him up and kill him for sure. Uh, he ran from Saul just to be killed uh, by the enemies of God's people. He killed their giant, but they're about to kill him. Uh, and David says, I don't know what to do. Uh, and the Bible says he feigned madness. Uh, amen. I just have to believe for a moment uh, amen, that he was so overwhelmed uh, that he just had to let something out. Uh, amen. Maybe it was an excess of emotions, uh, but David let it out uh, and they let let him go. I don't know if it was that moment or if it was the moment when he was at Ziklag. He just came back from fighting a battle and winning a victory. And now everything is taken. His wives, his kids, everybody else's stuff and their families. And the people speak of stoning David. But they all went to battle. Not just David. They all went to fight. It can't be David's fault. They all left them defenseless. It can't just be David. And I have no doubt David in this moment is probably overwhelmed. But David knows the God of the overwhelmed. And David grabs an ephod and says, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord like the preacher said last week. And he began to pray. And he began to seek God. And God said, don't worry about none of this. It's going to be all right. If you pursue, uh, you will recover all. Well, I'm overwhelmed, God. That's all right. Keep pursuing. Uh, I'm overwhelmed. Don't worry. Just keep fighting and you'll get it all back. Uh, well, I seem to feel, I feel like I've lost. I, I feel like everything's falling apart. That's all right. You keep pursuing it and you'll get it back. I don't know if it was the fact that Saul gave his wife away. And his marriage is on the rocks. I don't know if it was my call making fun of his worship that caused him to be overwhelmed because now he's not able to even worship God freely because he's being mocked for how he's worshiping God. I don't know if it's the fact that he sinned and he fell with Bathsheba and now he killed Uriah. I don't know if it's the fact that he disobeyed, amen, the word of God and he numbered the people without God's permission. I don't know if it was the fact that plagues hit the land. And there was turmoil in his house. I don't know if it was the fact that each of his sons uh, fell one by one. And I don't know if it was the fact that Absalom split the kingdom from him and ran him out of the throne. All I do know is that somewhere David got a revelation of where to go when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Somebody lift up your hands right now. All I know is David got a revelation. I serve a God of people that have been overwhelmed throughout history and throughout the Bible. And he has been with them through it all. And he has helped them through it all. And he has delivered them out of it all. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, I feel him in this house. 
I came to deliver a word for somebody. You are overwhelmed right now and you don't know what to do. I want to tell you where you go. You're going to go to the rock that is higher than you. You're going to go to a vantage point that's going to give you a different perspective. You're going to go to a place that's stable. You're going to go to a mindset. Come on. Hallelujah. You're going to go to a God in heaven that knows how to deal with those that are overwhelmed, that knows how to deliver them out of all of their troubles. David would write and say, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. It seems like David is always looking up. And David is always looking to something higher than him. He is always looking towards the hills. And I have to believe that based on David's writing and David's character, David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. And he wrote that, amen, from the vantage point that he was a shepherd. And I have no doubt that David got a revelation of God being the Lord of the overwhelmed. Amen. When one day he was running from Saul and he was backed into a corner, had nowhere to go, enemies coming from every which way. He had an army of discontent, in debt. They had problems and dysfunctions. They weren't the mighty men we find about later. Amen. They weren't there yet. They hadn't arrived yet. They hadn't fought over bean patches yet. They hadn't fought lions and winter snow yet. They had not accomplished it yet. And David's there with a ragtag group and he's saying, oh my goodness, we don't have the weaponry to win this battle. We don't have the ability to win this battle. And so David looked around and I have no doubt he looked up towards the hills of En Gedi and he saw some clefts in the rock and he saw a place in a rock that was higher than him. And he saw some caves that if I can get up in there. If I can get to the rock that's higher than me, I'm going to be all right. Saul can't find me. If I get in the rock, the enemy can't get me. If I can get in something bigger than him. I came to preach to somebody. Amen. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Strong tower is another thing made of rocks. you got to find a rock and his name is Jesus. And when you don't know what to do when you're overwhelmed, you begin to call on the name of Jesus. And demons tremble at the name of Jesus. I'm overwhelmed with sickness. Lay hands on yourself and pray in the name of Jesus. I don't know what to happen. What's going to happen? happen. I'm overwhelmed. Run into the tower. Run into the name of the Lord. Run into the rock that's higher. Go to the God of the overwhelmed. The higher rock. That place of hiding in a cave. David went up there and Saul could not find him. It was in the rock he got advantage over Saul. It was in the rock he was able to finally prove to Saul, I'm not after you. You're after me. It was in the rock that he was able to, amen, to help, amen, train up what would later be the mighty men of God. It was in the rock that he was able, amen, to help, help Saul realize, amen, the folly of his ways. It was there in a rock. You'd be surprised the things you can resolve when you get out of carnal thinking and you get up into a place that's higher. You got to get out of eye level and get up to a rock that is 
elevated uh, that gets you a different vantage point. Uh, and when you get up in the rock, uh, you can make decisions uh, that you would not have made down here. Uh, you can, come on somebody, uh, you, can, you can fix things uh, you didn't think were fixable. You can build things uh, that people said were impossible. But you got to get yourself a place uh, in a rock uh, that is higher. First thing about a rock is it's stable. David relates God to a rock. It's stable. Can I preach to somebody? When you are overwhelmed, you've got to find something that is more stable than you. You want to know why our world's always going off to psychologists and psychiatrists and drugs? They're trying to find something that is bigger than them, something that is stronger than them. They'll even say it. I do not have the strength on my own. And they are 100% correct. But they have been misdirected and they have gone towards other things instead of first going to the rock. You can go to all these other rocks if you want, but you got to start by going to the rock. Jesus said, he that hears my words and obeys them, I'll liken him unto a man or a woman uh, that built their house on a rock. Uh, they dug down deep. Uh, sometimes you got to dig down deep uh, to find stability. Uh, you got to dig through the flesh. Uh, you got to dig through carnality. Uh, you got to you got to dig through bitterness and say, right now, I'm overwhelmed. I got a lot coming this way, a lot coming that way. I feel hit here and hit there. I got to find a rock uh, that will stabilize me. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost right now. You gotta find a rock, and his name is Jesus. You gotta find the rock, and it's the word of God. You gotta find a rock, and it's in the house of the Lord. You gotta, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Your life's unstable. You gotta get to church, honey. Your mind's unstable, and you're overwhelmed. You gotta get to church. When you're overwhelmed, you gotta go to something that's stable. There's a world out there that is, that, is, that is just not stable. Their family's not stable. Finance is not stable. Their emotions aren't stable. Their mindset's not stable. And, 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 and there's no doubt why. They're being overwhelmed by this world. Overwhelmed by mistakes. Overwhelmed by failures. They're being overwhelmed by, by maybe insecurities. Amen. They're putting off on other people what they really feel about themselves. And, and, and they don't love them, so nobody can love them. Therefore, they are unstable in all their ways. And, and, and they, they can't seem to figure it out. Amen. But here's the answer. When my heart is overwhelmed, I go to the rock. The second thing about this rock is it's not eye-level rock. It's not pebble rock. Come on. It's not rock and roll. It's a rock that's higher. You know, there's some people that have been praying, God moved this mountain, but they don't realize that mountain's a rock you're supposed to climb up. 
God, move this mountain. And he says, I'm not removing that thorn in the flesh, nor am I removing that mountain, because if you don't climb up that mountain, you're going to keep the same vantage point. And sometimes the only way you can see past the valley is you got to climb up the other side, and you got to get to a peak, and you got to say, okay, God, show me where it is. Show me how it is. Tell me the truth. Amen. But it takes effort. you got to climb up. you got to climb up. As Brother Claiborne preached a while ago, you got to make sure I'm not afraid to climb higher. It's going to take effort on my part. I'm going to have to climb out of my way of thinking, my way of doing things. i got to find something bigger than me, something stronger than me, something smarter than me. i got to find something I can build my life on and I can climb up on when I am in trouble. You got to find something bigger. You got to find something that'll change your perspective. If your perspective is the only one that matters, you're going to stay overwhelmed. If your perspective is the only one that's right, you're going to stay in a state of overwhelmed. Amen. But if you can ever find a find the rock, his name is Jesus, and say, "Lord, elevate me above where I have been," you're going to get better. Paul knew about being overwhelmed. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, he said we are troubled on every side. Anybody ever felt like that? There's just, I don't have enough sides for all the trouble. It's hitting you every way. Arrow coming this way, arrow coming that way. And Paul somehow wrote, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. Anybody ever been perplexed? You know what perplexed means? It means you are confused because it's completely illogical. You ever had trouble on every side where it doesn't make any sense at all? See, there's trouble that comes in life that makes sense. I did that to me. Your car runs out of gases because you didn't fill it up. Amen. But there's other times where your car breaks down and you've done everything right and you're trying to figure out what's going wrong. Amen. Amen. Sometimes there are perplexing troubles. There are distressing troubles. They come by but he made it up in his mind amen I might be in a position where I am confused but I refuse to be in despair I refuse to be depressed about it he said this persecuted but I've got something that the world don't have he said I might be persecuted on every side I might be confused on every side I might have things hit me on every side but I am not forsaken I am not cast down and I am not destroyed. Why? Because while the world tried to cast me down, I was climbing up a rock that was higher than me. Let's stand across the building and lift up our hands. Come on, let's pray. He's the God of the overwhelmed. You can climb up that rock. Amen. He can give you, he can hide you in his pavilion, the Bible says. You can ascend to the holy hill of the Lord. You can find rest for your weary bones. When you get into the hill of the Lord, the mountain, the rock. What was Paul talking about when he wrote that? He said, in stripes above measure. That's not on your clothes. That's on your skin from a whip. In prisons more frequent, not because he was an evildoer. In, in deaths off, often. Of the Jews, five times I received 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and they almost stoned him to death. 
Some think that's where the thorn in the flesh came from, the fact that he had eye problems because he'd been hit so hard with a rock. He said, three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been out in the deep. There's people who don't even like water. Imagine that. You suck for a night and a day. You can't see the sand below you. You don't know what's going to happen. That's overwhelming. In journeyings often, he didn't hop in his car. He walked. He rode on a boat that shipwrecked. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, uh, in cold and nakedness, uh, beside those things that are without, beside all that, the overwhelming sense, the anxiety and the stress, as another translation puts it, that comes upon me daily, for the care of all of the churches. And yet Paul was able to write, I'm not distressed. I'm not in despair. I'm not forsaken. I'm not cast down. And I'm sure not destroyed. Because he served the God of the overwhelmed. I want to help somebody today. We serve a God here today that is the God of the outnumbered. Hello, Gideon with 300 that was able to take out 40,000. Yes, we might be small in number now, but God can help us win this entire city. You can call me crazy if you want, but I believe we can empty every drug home. Amen. I believe we can empty every den of iniquity. If it takes me till the day I die, my kids and my grandkids die. If Jesus tarries, I hope to have such a revival that I might be outnumbered right now. But if I can get a pitcher, a lamp, and a trumpet, amen, we're going to have revival. He's the God of the outnumbered. He's the God of the overwhelmed. He's the God of the outmatched. The young man that says we are outnumbered and outmatched by all of these soldiers. And God said, the man of God said, open his eyes. And he realized, oh man, I had this wrong. He's the God of the overworked. There's people that feel overworked in life, in their job, in ministry, whatever it might be, wherever you are. Don't get weary in well-doing because the Bible says in the end you'll reap if you faint not. He's the God of the overwhelmed. This is Peter who steps out of the boat just trying to follow Jesus. And he starts to sink under the water. And he starts getting overwhelmed by the waves. But the God of the overwhelmed reaches out and says, Hey, if you do this by yourself, you'll drown. But if you do this with me, I'll get you out of this. And as he reaches out to Peter, uh, Peter reaches back to the God of the overwhelmed. Uh, and as they link arms, uh, he's able to walk on water uh, again. Uh, Jacob's wrestling for his life, uh, afraid Esau's going to kill him or Laban's going to kill him. Uh, but when he wrestles with God, uh, he meets the God uh, of the overwhelmed and he's changed uh, forever. 
I know we preach a lot. We preach about Lot negatively. But the Bible says his righteous soul was vexed in Sodom. Imagine he's in a wicked, perverse city. He shouldn't have been there. That's right. But even in the midst of that, God says, I'm going to go to Abraham. I'm going to talk to Abraham about it. We learn a few things we don't have time to get into here today. We learn the first thing, that God wants mankind involved. God could have made the decision to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and not even consulted with Abraham. But he wants the involvement of his people. God, don't, don't destroy Carson City. If you're asking my opinion, please give us more time. I know the Bible says, come, Lord, quickly. I understand that, but if I had my way, uh, Jesus, hold on a little bit. My mom's not saved yet. Jesus, hold on. I got friends and family members and people all across this region that haven't heard God. Wait. God wants uh, his people involved. Number two, we learn God can be bartered with. If there's 20, if there's 30, if so on and so forth, he stops at 10. But the beautiful thing we learn about God, God doesn't stop at 10. He finds the few that are still righteous, that are still willing to live for Him, that are overwhelmed by a sinful society. And He reaches for Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And the God of the overwhelmed says, I know this city's too much for you. Let's get out of here. There are people here today that God sees that you are overwhelmed by emotions. You are overwhelmed by stress. You are overwhelmed by situations outside your control. You are overwhelmed by unrealistic expectations and opinions of other people. You are overwhelmed by failures. You are overwhelmed by shortcomings. You are overwhelmed by spiritual attacks. You are overwhelmed by ridicule. You are overwhelmed by gossip. You are overwhelmed by all sorts of things. But God sent this preacher to tell me tell you uh, if you can reach out and take the hand of the God that is the God of the overwhelmed if you can take a hold and grab a hold of that rock and start climbing honey uh, he said I'll help you out Uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood uh, the spirit of the Lord says no more Uh, you might be overwhelmed uh, but no more I'm done preaching would you lift up your hands and let's pray come on let's pray in this house come on The beautiful thing about God is we might be overwhelmed, but God is not overwhelmed. And if we can take hold of the hand of God, if we can go to a rock that is more stable than I, higher than I, better perspective, stronger than I, if I can go to His pavilion, if I can go to His tabernacle, if I can just make it to church, if I can just make it to the altar, I know everything's going to be all right. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? There are people God sent me to preach to you. You are overwhelmed. You can fill in the blank with what you're overwhelmed by. It's coming from every side. But by the time this service is done, you're going to be able to say, I am not despaired. I am not. Come on. I might be perplexed, but I'm not cast down. I'm not destroyed. I want you to come. Make your way to the front. Throw yourself in this altar and say, God, by myself, I can't do it. But with your help. I might be overwhelmed by myself, 
But Jesus said, cast your cares on me, for I care for you. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why don't you take that heavy burden off your shoulders and exchange it with Jesus's and say, Lord, I'm overwhelmed by all this. I'm anxious. I'm stressed out. But as you pray, it's going away. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. Why don't you grab your family, take your take take leave of your seat, make it wait, make your way to the front of this building, and come and pray, honey. We might be overwhelmed. Your marriage might be overwhelmed. Your finances might be overwhelmed. But you can say, we're going to go pray. We're going to something bigger than us. We're going to go to a rock that's greater than us. Come on, your mind might be overwhelmed. Your emotions might be overwhelmed. He's the God of the overwhelmed. Let him touch you right now. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. You're going to be able to lift your hands and worship God when you take that that overwhelm and you give it to Jesus and you say, God, I don't know how, but Lord, I'm going to put it in your hands. Heaven comes to fight for me. Somebody climb up that rock. Climb up the rock. His name's Jesus. Take hold of his hand. Wrestle with him if you got to. But walk away from that, that overwhelmed feeling and say, Lord, I'm putting it on you. The rock is stable enough to handle it.
said the Holy Ghost is here. Cast your cares on him. Throw him as hard as you can. As far onto that rock as they'll go.